uh, I left off last week on verse 13, and when I got home, I did one of those things that pastors normally do. I forgot to say this. Happens like every time, like right when you get on the parking lot or, or whatever, you just think, oh, I totally went there. But that whole, that whole passage, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says this. Jimmy, you throw that up on the screen. It says, no temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. And I said that that's one of the most misinterpreted passages of Scripture, which basically people have taken it and said, God won't give you more than you can bear. And then I went on to explain that, you know, God's really responsible for the good stuff. And that there is another side of that. There's good and there's evil. And the evil is responsible for the, most likely, the stuff that you can't bear. To think that God would put things on you to cause you to not be able to bear them doesn't even sound like a very loving God. I made that point. But here's what I didn't say. Is that you will have more in your life and on your life than you can bear. <laughs> so to even take that passage of Scripture and say, God's not going to give you more than you can bear, that's not true. Because I'm telling you right now, you are going to have more than you can bear. It's going to get tough. And honestly, as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a counselor, as whatever I am, I... I'm almost glad that you get there. Because when you get there, you no longer can do it in your own strength. You have to become dependent upon God at that point when it's beyond what you can bear. And so you will have more than you can bear, and that's not at all what that passage of Scripture says. That passage of Scripture says you're going to be tempted, but there's always a way out of the temptation. That's what it says, and if you want more in-depth on that, go back to last week's message and, and listen to that. But I jump right into the next verse, and it talks about this warning against idolatry. It says this, So then, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I'm speaking as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a sharing in the blood of Christ. Is it not in the sharing of blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, since all of us share the one bread. He's literally talking about the practice of the Lord's Supper. The night before Jesus was crucified, he met with his disciples in the upper room, and he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood which is poured out for you. This is my body which is broken for you. We're going to do that this morning. But he's literally going back to the argument where the, were the Christians able to eat the meat that was sacrificed to the idols and the gods? Paul's saying this. Idolatry is a distraction. That's literally what he's saying. Are you familiar with distractions? Are you familiar with distractions? Yes, you are. We are living in one of the biggest distractions of our time right now. 
And he's, he's saying, idolatry is a distraction for you. He's saying this, you need to zoom out, think about it. What's true in this world? What is the truth? And you guys, there's only one truth. Paul's saying, there is one truth. Why are we even arguing about what is true and what is fake? We're living in this world where what's true? Our kid, like I was telling our kids, like when I was in school, we had books and whatever we read, that was true. I mean, we were taught growing up, whatever you read in your history books, whatever you read educationally, that's true. But then all of a sudden the internet comes along and it's confused the whole world because Wikipedia comes out and people can define whatever they want. They can make up whatever rules they want. They can say what they can put their opinion out there as that's truth. And then we begin arguing about it and we become divisive about it. And he's saying, This is all a distraction. There's only one truth. So, church, there is only one truth. Don't forget that in this very room, we are all about Jesus. We are in this together because of our faith in Jesus. He says, we eat from the same loaf, we drink from the same cup, except when we're in a pandemic. It just doesn't happen that way. But that's literally what he's saying, is like, we, we practice the Lord's Supper together. When Jesus says, this is my body which is broken for you, and he broke the bread, it was from that one loaf, and this is what he's saying, we are of that same loaf, that one that focuses on Jesus. And we can literally see Paul's main point right here. There's unity that occurs. This room right here is unified because of Jesus. Now, you, you get here and we can talk eschatology and have differences of opinions and we can start to interpret Scripture different, but we are united and that's because it is centered around Jesus Christ. Verse 18, it says this, Consider the people of Israel. Do not those who eat the sacrifices participate in the altar? What am I saying then? That food sacrificed to idols is anything? Or that an idol is anything? No. But I do say that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants with demons. Remember what he said in the earlier passage right there. He's literally saying, I'm speaking to us as sensible people. Like, you guys, you can see the truth, you can see the difference, and now he's saying, can you not separate eating the meat and drink from worshiping demons? You're sensible enough to separate the two. It's... It seems pretty logical. He's saying, run from what is evil. Run from the appearance of evil. Stay focused on what you know is true. If you're hungry and you need food, eat. But don't worship the demons. Literally, this is what people were complaining about. There were poor people that couldn't ever eat meat. And they would go to the temples... And after the meat was sacrificed to the animals, to the idols, or to whoever, the gods, 
they would partake in a celebration pretty much like you'll do at Thanksgiving. But if they never could have the meat, they went there and did it, and then all of a sudden the people that were wealthy and didn't have to eat that meat were complaining about them. Paul's like going, um, let them eat. You're, you're making this a legalistic thing. Watch what he says, verse 21. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of the demons. Or are we provoking the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Paul is saying this. He's literally encouraging them to look at the spiritual side. You guys, I don't know how many times I say this on a Sunday morning, but we are in the middle of a spiritual battle. There's there's stuff that's happening that we can't see. But I promise you, if you stay focused and make Jesus centered, you'll begin to see these things, and you'll see them as spiritual warfare. They'll make sense to you. Things that don't make sense to other people all of a sudden begin to make sense to us. And he's saying, you just need to recognize that there's a separation of meat from the demons. You can eat the meat and not worship the demons. Look, you can justify doing evil things because you make light of the spiritual world. But if you focus on the truth and the spiritual world becomes real to you, then you can separate the two. That's literally what he's saying. It matters that you recognize there's two opposing sides, good versus evil, God versus the evil one. Spiritual warfare is raging right now. It is raging. Through this pandemic, we are dealing with spiritual warfare. It's real. What's real? Well, the pandemic's real, but the spiritual warfare is real. Verse 23, he goes back to what he said in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. Again, it's this Corinthian slogan. He says, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. That was a slogan that they were throwing around themselves, and now Paul is using it in his own letter. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. Verse 24, it says, No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. You know, it's not really straightforward how we are to behave in every situation. Especially when we are in a group setting. And we're being scrutinized. Like, people watch you. They don't just watch me. Yeah, I'm the pastor, I'm the chaplain or whatever. They don't watch just me, but they literally watch you and scrutinize you and judge you by the things that you say and by the things that you do. And what gives us the advantage for the sake of the gospel with one person is this, is that we stay focused on what is true. It comes down to discernment, being able to discern. I always say, if you have to think about it, pause. If you have to think about it, pause. 
Maybe you need to seek wisdom. Maybe you just need to back off of it. If you're having to think about it, verse 25, he, sees, he says this, eat everything that is solid in the meat market without raising questions for the sake of conscience, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. He, that's literally a quote from Psalm 24.1. Paul's quoting David there. No, listen to this. Nothing spiritual happens to food itself just because a pagan priest prayed over Isis for it or prayed over Apollos for it. Whoever the individual was, that doesn't ruin the meat is what Paul's saying. The meat is okay for you to eat. I love this. Here's what he says. If any of the unbelievers invites you over and you want to go, you get this? If any of you believers get invited by unbelievers and you want to go eat everything that is set before you without raising questions for the sake of conscience, he's saying, don't create more legalism. You're free. You are free. All right? If it's cool with them, let it be cool with you. And I always ask this question, what would you expect from an unbeliever? <laughs> right? I don't expect them to behave like me. But he's saying, yeah, if you're going to an unbeliever's house, remember what he says, I become all things to all people last week. He said that. I become all things to all people. I, I'll do what they do just so I have the opportunity to talk about Jesus with them. Just let me get my foot in the door. Verse 28. We're wrapping it up. But if someone says to you, this is food from a sacrifice, do not eat it, out of consideration for the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized because of something for which I give thanks? All Paul is asking them to do right there is to consider... Why is this person telling you that the food is tainted? Because they have a conscience about it. It's their issue, not your issue. If they have an issue with it, then maybe you ought to process it, use your discernment, and think about what you ought to do. And maybe not do it as not to confuse them. You have to measure the room, and use your wisdom, is what Paul is saying. And sometimes, you will blow it. I'm just telling you. Sometimes, you'll blow it. Your discernment may not have been that effective for you at that time. Verse 31, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God, just as I also try to please everyone in everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. You know, Paul literally has wrapped up a section, chapters 8, 9, and 10 right here. And he's taking these last few verses and he summarized what he said. This is what he said. One, God's glory is your number one priority. That's it. 
not your opinion, not anyone else's opinion. Everything that you do, you do it for God's glory. You with me? Paul's saying we do everything for the glory of God. The second thing that he says right there is this. Be conscious of non-believers and even the believers who are weak so that you may not lead them to sin. He's saying do everything for the glory of God, but think about what you're doing. Think about it. Process it. Is the Spirit leading you to do this? We're not just talking about food, people. We're not just talking about food. We're talking about life. He's saying, you're free, but if the people that you're around are not free, you need to think about that. And then the last thing he says, it's actually the first verse of chapter 11. He says, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. He said, Paul says this, as I follow Jesus, use me as an example. Like, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to walk by the Spirit and use me as an example. I, I'd say that to you. I, granted, you know I walk by my flesh sometimes. But most of the time, I'm walking by the Spirit. And if you need me as an example, if you need Paul as an example, if you need others in the room as an example, that's what he's saying. It's like, I believe your heart. I know your heart. It's good. It's good. So he's in this room, and he's talking about the Lord's Supper. He's talking about the Lord's Supper, that we are one. I have no idea what tomorrow brings. (laughs) I have no idea what next Sunday brings. And so today, I thought it would be wise for us just to hang out here, to eat, to fellowship, to have a good time, obviously social distancing, but for us to take the Lord's Supper. It's what they did when they ate meals together, just like we did right now. They didn't have a worship service and pass out little trinkets of bread and have little cups of juice. They literally ate a meal as you just did. And then Paul, or whoever the leader was at that time, he would actually ask them to come over here by the speaker. Pick up the piece of bread, the loaf of bread. I'm sure that they passed a loaf around at that time, but we're not doing that today. So hopefully you've got a a loaf of bread or a muffin or something, a potato or something around you. If not, uh, I don't know, Beth, if you can like pass some of those out or anybody pinch off. Look, they're passing muffins up on stage, so. But let's do this today. Let's let's celebrate what Jesus did for us, right? Really? <laughs> this is what the Lord's Supper is. I know the Thursday night before Jesus was about to be crucified, those men in there were like freaking out. There was anxiety, there was stress. Even Jesus sweat blood that night. But that's happened. That's occurred. It's in the past. If you haven't heard, Jesus was buried and he rose from the dead. 
and he went to heaven, and he sent a spirit to live inside of your mortal body. And there's a holy living God inside of you, so there's no reason today, I get it, I understand the sacrifice that my Savior made for all my sins, past, present, and future, but because of that, I'm able to give thanks for him today. And I rejoice in that. So as I partake in the Lord's Supper, I celebrate the life of my Savior and Lord. He took of the piece of the bread with his disciples, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. His body on the cross was broken so that you may have life. So that you can live just as Paul talked about today with freedom. He says, take, eat, and remember. (laughs) And then he took the cup. He took the one cup and they actually passed it around. And they drank from it. Don't do that today. But the wine, the actual wine that was fermented in it, he took it and he says, this is my blood which is poured out for you. You know the disciples didn't have a clue what he was talking about. (laughs) I mean, they were teenagers and young men. And Jesus is doing this thing with the bread and the juice and they were clueless. They did it. But the fact today, when we take the cup, and he says, this is my blood that was poured out for you. There had to be blood as a sacrifice for our sins. That was it. Why blood? Because there was life in the blood. There was life in the blood. And because of the forgiveness of sins, it gave us life with God. And he said, take this drink as my offering for forgiveness. And all they did in practicing the Lord's Supper was remembering what Jesus did for them. It's the whole deal. We're getting into chapter 11, and it talks about, uh, you know, the the Eucharist does the the body actually, is it Jesus's and everything. He's getting in this in chapter 11, and we're talking more about that in the Lord's Supper in the next chapter. But just remember this. You celebrate together as family and friends. Again, I don't know what this means for us. You just have to read your emails, whatever the mayor, whatever pandemic does i pray that we're able to meet here on sundays pinheads wants us to be here and we'll thank her for that i appreciate that one other thing i say to you before we leave is uh the christmas stockings that we help the uh man we've got this sweet little lady named angel who does all the work with these stockings she goes throughout the indianapolis public schools and the kids that are in need, she puts them on stockings. And she doesn't do this just for our church. She does this for many churches around here. But we have 175 stockings that we would like to fill with about $15 worth of stuff. There's a list of items that go in the stockings, and we give you like two weeks to do that. 
But Mike and Leah are back there, and they have 175 stockings that they need to get distributed. Take as many as you can this week. They'll be here next week as well. And then you'll bring them back here on November the 29th, the weekend after Thanksgiving. Hopefully we'll be here. And if not, we'll figure out how to collect those. But there's a, a plenty of stockings and lists of what need to go in those stockings before you leave. Jesus says this. It says in the scripture, they, they took the Lord's Supper and then they sang as they left. I'm going to ask my guys to lead us in a word of song as we leave. And there's going to be plenty of food for you to take home if you want. So put it in some boxes. Oh, oh, oh. 
Amen.